On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, we talk a little football and a little basketball with special guests Lee Benson and Parker Van Dyke. That and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Hey, this is Bill Riley, play-by-play voice of the Utes and midday host on ESPN 700. You're listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders Podcast. Go Utes! Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. If you're keeping track at home, this is episode number 53. I'm Dirk Facer, joined here in downtown Salt Lake City with my colleague Lee Benson. Lee, how are you? Hey, good. Good to be here, Dirk. It's always good to be here, isn't it? We have a special guest this week, former Utah basketball star Parker Van Dyke. Parker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dirk. Very grateful, very excited to be here. Now, a, little, the, a lot of people don't know that Parker and I are East High Leopards, and we both hold several basketball records. I think uh, a lot of us knew that Parker was an East High Leopard. Yeah, I've, I'm a little Dirk's old. A, Dirk's a leopard legend. I still hold the records in intramurals leave for uh, most shots attempted and most minutes played without an assist. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'll hold on to those forever. Parker, meanwhile, was a scoring machine with the Leopards and uh, went on to have a fine career with the Utes. So we're glad to have you here, Parker. Um, let's jump right into basketball, guys. Uh, Utah swept Stanford and Cal this week. They're 10-1 and one at home this year. Problem is, they struggle on the road. They're 1-6 and six in true road games, 0-5 in Pac-12 play. Parker, is there a big difference between playing at home and on the road, especially in the Pac-12? There definitely is. And And usually I feel like young teams struggle the most on the road. And, you know, with our young team, that seems to be one of our, that seems to be a little bit of our Achilles heel. We are much more comfortable playing at home. And usually those most more experienced teams are a little bit more comfortable on the road. I remember last year, our team kind of got to the point where we were a little bit more comfortable on the road. We had a better Pac-12 road record than at home. And so that's a big, you know, sign going into this next, this upcoming week is can we pull it together and get this win? I think we've got a great opportunity going into Thursday at Oregon State. It's a great opportunity for a road victory, but definitely a sign of our youth, but I think uh, we can pull together and um, start to play better on the road. Parker, I hear that uh, Poly Pavilion is a really tough place to play. It can be. It can be, especially when you get down by 22 points in the middle of the second half. But uh, how, how often do you still dream about that game? Oh man, that was that one's uh, one that lives on in lore. Yes, yes, and that's that's what everyone remembers me for, and everyone talks to me about all the time, and it's something that I'll of course never forget. And um, it's not a bad memory to have. It's not a, a bad thing to look back on and remember that great comeback, great team effort, and then be able to hit, be in a position to hit a shot like that. It's uh, but maybe it's amazing what you're talking about too is the experience factor because you you probably wouldn't have been able to do that as a freshman or as a younger player, but you had all those years under your belt and did, did, did I don't know, how did that happen? Yeah, no, I think so. As I think back to that game, like I said, um, we were down 22 with about 16 minutes left in the game. And I remember sitting on the bench and we were all just sitting there. We didn't have anything really to say. Coach K wasn't saying anything. And I remember thinking we had beaten USC a couple nights prior. And so we kind of already did our job. That's kind of your job on the road is to get a split. Right. And so let's. We just thought let's just go out these rest of the, rest of the sixteen minutes and just play as hard as we can and finish strong. And if we lose, well, we still got the win against USC. We did our job. So let's just go see what happens. And I don't think I or the team that year played so free in that sixteen minute stretch. We just played so free and loose, and we didn't necessarily worry about the score. I know I didn't. I just went out there and started shooting. And it was almost. I wish we could like somehow could I get that mindset for every single game. That you know nothing to lose mentality. And so. All of a sudden, the 
scoreboard get you know the the gap gets smaller now we're within 10 now we're within five and then it becomes a reality and we get a chance to win at the end so incredible game that I'll never forget I'll never forget the kind of the feelings I had during the game as well as afterwards but definitely comes with some experience I don't think I would have had that mindset as a freshman or a sophomore well it was the shot of the year and it was like that Duke North Carolina game the other day sometimes your number is just up and and uh, what happened in that game was remarkable it was and that you know that was uh it was a sports writer's nightmare though Parker I was really happy for you but when you guys were down by double digits you know in the second half I started writing my story and mm. I should have stopped. That. Well, no, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad things turned out the way they did. It just uh, made me earn my money for once, which is good. So, hey, uh, let's let's talk about Timmy Allen. He seemed to get back on track last week and had good games against both teams. And then Brandon Carlson obviously came up big, in the, especially in the Stanford game. I think he had a, a double-double, 15 points, 10 rebounds. He's kind of coming of age at center, and that's obviously a big component. But uh, what do you think is going on with Timmy Allen? Do you think there was just the fact that, you know, He's the focal point of the team now, and he's drawing a lot of attention from opposing defenses, and it's hard to put up big numbers every night when you've got a big X on your back. Definitely. I mean, he's the head of the snake. He's the you know the top of the scouting report, and so when teams are scouting the Utes, the first thing on their, their scouting report is, we got, we got to stop Timmy Allen. Um, we got to keep him out of the paint. We got to keep him away from his right hand, try to force him going left, try to force him to take some outside shots, and... And, and that just happens in the Pac-12, especially at this time of the year. The Pac-12 coaches, they know each other, the other coaches' tendencies pretty well, and they also have so much game film to go off, so they're, they're pretty well pretty well prepared. But it was good to see Timmy. I know against Cal on Saturday, he was back up shooting 50%, scored 21 points. Um, so that was good to see because I know his his percentages were down in about the 30s prior to that game. But that's that's a tough thing. Just when you're at the top of the scouting report every single game, that that can be that can be tough as a as a score. But one good thing I did like what he's done the previous past weeks. I know he had eight assists last week right. against USC. So when he's got to be able to um, when he has that double team. Um, to be able to kick to the open man, and, and then obviously we have to have guys that can make shots. But I think it was good to have him get back in um, good shooting percentage going forward. About uh, Brandon Carlson, has his development surprised you? I know that there's some comparisons to maybe a, a young Jakob Pertl that until he puts some weight on, we won't really see what Brandon Carlson's mm-hmm. capable of. But to get a double-double in a Pac-12 game is pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And I obviously, I mean, he was the player of the week this week, freshman player of the week for the Pac-12. And I, I knew Brandon when he was young in high school, when he was getting recruited by the U. And then I, I, you know, I saw him again once he came home from his mission. And not only did he mature and grow up in, for two years, but he got a little bit bigger, got a little bit taller, I think. And so um, I'm very impressed with his coordination right now, his athleticism. And he's only going to get better. I mean, his ceiling, I think, is so high. And um, just a remarkable game on, on Thursday against Stanford. I mean, almost a triple-double. He had 15, 10, and 8 blocks. Right. Um, and he won us that game. I mean, it was a kind of an ugly game, but Carlson was just holding it down in the paint with the block shots and had a had a huge bucket that kind of sealed the deal um, on the Brenchley drive to the, the dump-off dunk. So he has got a great ceiling. I'm really excited to see what he can do. And I think there's a number of guys like him that are so young and have so much potential that they, they have bright futures. Got it. Well, hey, Lee, what, how do you see this week uh, panning out for the Utes? Do you expect them to lose two more road games, a split? I mean, Oregon State is coming off a win over Oregon. Oregon's battling Colorado for first place in the league. So this 
I mean, Utah may be ahead of Oregon State in the standings, but that's no guarantee. Well, it's like a bunch of uh, cannibals, uh, the Pac-12 this year. I mean, and it's been that way a little bit in football the last little while, too. It's everybody beats up everybody, and it, it, it's, it's, uh, it makes for really interesting games. And I, I expect Utah probably split. I mean, they, they beat Oregon State and lost to Oregon here, and they'll, I, I think that they'll probably split this week on the road. But, man, coming into the tournament and the NC2A tournament now, uh, possibilities, it's all just so muddled. You almost want to just let's get to that conference tournament and see what's going to, to right. play out. Well, Parker, you've played in both those venues. How tough is the Oregon trip? Really tough. Both tough venues. I mean, even Oregon State is usually a really good atmosphere. And I just think with every team, every team, I mean, nationally, but specifically in the Pac-12, they play so much better at home. I think when I think of teams that play really well at home and then aren't as good on the road, especially, I think of Oregon State and Stanford. They are they are both very, very tough to play at home. Um, and with Oregon State, with a guy like Trace Tinkle, a guy who can go off for 30 on any given night, they they can be tough. Now, Utah is capable of, of winning at Oregon State, and I, and I think they have a good chance to. And, and then on the backside of that with Oregon, I always thought that the two toughest places to win in the Pac-12 were at Arizona and at Oregon. The two, and I never won in Arizona. We got one win at Oregon, was, which was definitely one of the best wins I had at the U when we beat them at their place a couple years ago. And so very, very tough trip. But I, I think they can get the split this week. I think this can be their first conference road win against o- Oregon State. Hey, Parker, well, what is your take on the parity in the Pac-12? Why is there so much parity? And and just from an athlete's perspective, is that a good thing or does it hurt the league nationally? Oh, man. I, I think it goes back to the – I think coaches know each other's – the team's tendencies by the time they play. They have so much game film compared to preseason where there's a limited n- amount of film that you can watch on a team. But when you get to the Pac-12, everyone kind of has an idea of what their team's tendencies, what they want to do, what their best players are like, what they like to do. Um, and so that that uh, that is an indicator of it. And I think there's there's great atmospheres, great home atmospheres in the Pac-12 that it's hard to win at Colorado. Um, it's hard to win at Washington, even, even if they're down. That's a tough place to play as well. And I think that goes into it. As far as the national perspective, you know, I, I, I take pride that the Pac-12 is from top to bottom pretty close. I think that's one of the strengths in football and basketball is the last place team, I think, is closer to the first place team than a lot of conferences. Especially, I think, of like the SEC, especially in football. I think Alabama's not losing to Vanderbilt. But Washington State could, you know, or Cal could mm-hmm. could pull up an upset at home against Oregon or something like that. And I think that may that actually may hurt us a little bit nationally because it's you can't have the bottom of the half teams beating the top half teams because then that hurts those middle guys, you know, those those fourth, fifth, sixth place teams in the Pac-12 that are trying to get in the tournament because that may be viewed as the conference isn't as strong. But I like the parity. And I think it's fun as a fan, as a Pac-12 fan, it's fun to be able to turn on a game and you're like, you know, I know Oregon, Arizona are higher ranked and they're way better probably than this team, but, you know, those bottom half teams have a chance to do something special today. Right, and I guess the real frustration comes when the NCAA tournament field's announced and yeah, seems to be a lot of Pac-12 teams in those first four games. Everybody's got 10 or 12 losses. Exactly, yeah. and they don't get the respect they do. Parker, you like this. Coach K's press conference today uh, asked him about uh, Booth Gotch and when he might be back. He's 
Ken been out with a knee injury and kind of gave an answer that uh, if he's going to come back and get in the lineup, he's got to play defense like the rest of the guys are. Last four games, they've held teams in the 50s. You heard that kind of stuff before? You've got to play some defense to play for Coach K? Yeah, no, that's how you stay on the floor, um, and that's how you get on the floor. And Booth, is ex- he's capable of being a great defender. Um, he's got great length, great athleticism, and so I think sometimes it's a matter of, of kind of a, an effort and I guess the mental decision like, okay, you know, I'm going to get down and defend and guard someone because he's capable of doing that. Um, so hopefully he comes back healthy because I think when, when Booth's at his best, that's when the team is at their best. Right. I was actually watching, this is a this is a tough comparison to Booth, but I thought of Booth when I was watching the Jazz play the Rockets and I saw Russell Westbrook in transition was almost, I mean, he was automatic in transition. The moment he got the ball off the off a rebound and Gobert was not in the paint, Westbrook, I mean, it was an automatic bucket and Booth can, he can do that at the college level. I think that's something, that is definitely one of his strengths is that he is so good in transition and sometimes he brings that that you know that that dr- hard drive to the rim and sometimes he doesn't and so I hope he when he comes back healthy not only does he defend but I want to see him more in the open floor you know getting the outlet pass and you know running it rushing it down the defense's th- throw and try to get to the rim and, and lay it in because I think he's capable of that yeah and that seemed to be the other concern is why bring him back until he's healthy yeah because things are going well right now and the team's playing good defense getting some things done um, Parker before we switch to football let's catch up with you a little bit you've got an exciting opportunity coming up yeah, very excited opportunity. I've ever since I've graduated um, last spring, I've been pursuing a professional basketball career, and um, I recently just got an offer to play for a team in Mexico. They are called the Tijuana Zonkies. <laughs> Sweet. So they and they play in the Ciba Copa League in Mexico. Henry Bibby is the coach, so former UCLA great. I'm also former NBA player and coach, and I'll be leaving on February 23rd for the season that starts in March. And I'm just really excited to be playing again. You know, I, I've had some months off of training and preparing to play, and now I now it's now it's come to fruition. I'm just excited to play and and get back on the court in an arena in Tijuana. Have you been to the arena yet? Or I have not. I have not been to Mexico ever before so oh. this will be the first time I go but they do have there is a there's a big nice arena it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty good league it, you know each team has arenas and uniforms and they pay players so it's you know and, and if anything it's just an opportunity to play I'm I'm really excited and I've met Henry Bibby and um, to be able to play with a, a name like that um, I'm excited for as well because he's kind of a well-known name around, around around basketball now did you have to go there and, and try out or audition or did they watch your college film and and give you the offer a little bit of both. I I did for this this team. I actually they, the team flew me out to California to to LA, and I, I had a tryout with the team. Um, they kind of had an open tryout for college players in the area, and they flew me out there and um, did the tryout and played really well. And so they offered me a contract the next day. Um, I signed a few weeks later, and I'm headed to Tijuana. And I I'm very excited. I'm just excited for the opportunity to continue to play because I think that's one good thing about basketball. There's so many options to continue to play in other countries, even if you're not going you know to the NBA where with other sports, those those opportunities are limited. So no, that's a great yeah. opportunity. How many Americans do they allow on a team? Is is it is it restricted that way? Yes, and most most international basketball is restricted. They have they are allowed four Americans on the team, so I'm one of four right now. And you know, hopefully, I can bring some of that Poly Pavilion magic to Henry Bibby <laughs> and his team. He signed you, even though you did that. I know. I, exactly. Yeah. 
He actually saw he first when he first started, I guess, recruiting me. You could call it. He he first saw my broadcasting videos um, from last year. If you remember those, kind of my broadcasting recap stuff after we won games. And he first actually wanted me to be the broadcaster for the Zonkies. But he said he saw my three point shot. And he's like, ah, I think you can still play a little bit too. So maybe I do both down there. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, congratulations, well deserved. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. Hey, let's switch to football for a minute, guys. Uh, the Utes just put the finishing touches on a recruiting class that some say may be the best. In school history, um, they signed some big names. Obviously, uh, graduate transfer South Carolina quarterback Jake Bentley comes to mind. Cornerback uh, Clark Phillips III, who uh, decommitted from Ohio State to sign with Utah. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said Utah is finally starting to win some battles with some of the higher-profile programs in college football. Lee, what do you think's changed? Is it just the fact that Utah has established itself as a Pac-12 team? It's just c- cumulative uh, effect. It, a year after. After year, um, University of Utah, for those of us who watched it for a long time, still stand in some awe that uh, the way the tor- corner has been turned. But every year, they're in the thick of, and, and in those national rankings. And I just think over time, more exposure and the more the University of Utah is continually mentioned in those top rankings, uh, it's just it's just had this effect. And I like what they're doing now because when they first entered the Pac-12, it was like, well, we've got to go raid USC or UCLA or Stanford, you know, and get, get a lot of kids from um, players from California. But now they've branched out and they're getting players, um, especially Texas and Florida and, and and still California, but they branched out, and there's there's uh, there's a lot of uh, momentum going for the Utes. Well, Parker, I think Coach Whittingham said they've cast a big net now, and so they obviously don't just recruit uh, nearby. They go, you know, like I said, last year's team. Obviously, Florida was a big deal in that. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed as a student athlete up there, did the football program change even from the time maybe before your mission till after? Did you notice a change in the type of athletes they were getting up there? I just think from, yeah, they're getting them from all different places. I mean, I think Utah's always had a good, I guess, net of recruits from California, a little bit in Texas, but now it's like we've got this, I hope oh, I hope every kid growing up in Miami wants to come to the Utes. Right. You know, now with, with the success that uh, Simpkins and Huntley and Moss had, um, and I think just with more exposure as we're continuing to grow in the rankings, that's only going to help. And another thing that helps is with Utah, we do such a great job of developing players, and especially on the defensive side where m- every year we've got multiple guys guys going to the combine. We got multiple guys getting drafted um, into the NFL. And so as a kid in high school, a lot of these kids, their their objective is, I want to go play college ball, but I want to play professionally after that. And so I want to go to a school that I know can that has experience developing players that way. And so I think that was one thing that changed um, while I was there is I was not only interacting with great f- college football players, but I was interacting with guys. These guys are going to be you know big time draft picks at right. the next level. And so I think that's one thing that's changing with Utah's. We've got, uh, we've got guys who are, who are getting ready to play in the NFL. That's interesting. You know, I've been covering the team for quite a long time, but I still remember talking to Eric Weddle his first day with the Utes, and he was kind of angry that USC and UCLA deemed him to be too small and questioned a bunch of things about his game, and he came here focusing. I think, like you said, there were kids that would come here with a chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. that were maybe overlooked by the bigger schools, and they felt they had something to prove. Now they got guys like Clark Phillips III here, who's a big-time player and Jake Bentley, who, you know, started 33 games in the SEC. You know, this it's a little different now, but I imagine there's still the same maybe chip on the shoulder to get Utah to that promised land of the Rose Bowl and beyond. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and Dirk, and I'm reading a story here by Dirk Facer of the Deseret News. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> Read it slowly. So this may be accurate or may not. No. It's 50 50. Well, you know, it, it's this story <laughs> that you wrote this week about a record nine players invited to the NFL scouting combine, right? Right. Well, you're a recruit. That's not exactly not on your radar. You look at a program. It's like when Majerus coached basketball with you. A lot of guys were more attracted to Utah because of the people that were going into the NBA. And Utah for several years now has just been pumping out a lot of players into the NFL. And uh, let's face it, I mean, no matter how thin the odds are to make it, you still want to go to a program where there's a there, there's this legacy of guys who are making it. So you look at a list of nine guys being invited to the combine, and Tyler Huntley isn't one of them, so it should be ten. Right. And uh, you say, well, I'd like to go to a place that's going to get me up to the next level. Parker, how hard is a student athlete? Let's, let's just take Tyler Hunt for, Huntley, for example. Great year, first team All-Pac-12, All-American by some uh, in one meeting. Media outlets uh, picks. How hard is it to be overlooked for something like this? And is whatever team uh, ends up inviting him to camp, he's gonna he's gonna have something to prove, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I think you you want to stay humble, but you also got You have to stay hungry. And so I think he's something about not getting invited to this combine is he needs to use that to fuel him for you know to have a kind of a chip on his shoulder going into whatever camp he gets invited to to kind of prove himself and that can be that can be used as a definitely as a strength going forward you know that he may look back on this and this may be something that puts him over the edge to get him ready for a potential camp invitation right. where you know maybe he became a little maybe he'd become a little complacent getting um, invited to the combine so as a student athlete you know I'm still bothered the jazz didn't draft me so you know I'm going to take that down to Mexico and prove them all wrong <laughs> exactly right on. I like it. Hey, Lee, eight players on defense. I mean, think about that. Eight of the 11 starters on defense are, are potential NFL draft picks. That says something. Well, and it was a remarkable team, and that's why the ending was so hard to take, because that team was on the cusp of, of legitimately playing for a national championship, and this is more evidence of that. Yeah, eight eight defenders, uh, that's, that's as good as it's probably ever going to be. That's that's a high number, but that was a good team, and they looked like it most of the year. Well, and by the same token, you know, they had a good offense, too, but only one guy gets invited, Zach Moss, you know, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, and, you know, that you could make a real strong case for Huntley should be there, but, uh, you know, that uh, that leads us into next season a little bit, guys. I mean, Parker, are you confident that Utah can replace uh, that many uh, starters on defense? They mm. seem to reload every year. We do reload every year. We do a, do a good job. But, I mean, eight of our 11 starters potentially going to the next level, that's, you know, I, I think that's, like it's been said, is probably the best it's ever going to be. So how can you replace that? I mean, obviously it helps to have recruits um, like like Phillips and things like that. But when I defense um, or when I think of the offense, I think we have to we have to replace Huntley and Moss, two experienced guys who were you know first team all conference and all of that. Um, and so we've got the one good thing is we do have some we have some good options. Right. Um, Brumfield has has been really good. Jordan Wilmore is coming up through the ranks as a running back. Um, and then we've got a few good options at quarterback with Cam Rising from Texas, um, as well as the kid coming from from South Carolina. So I think we've got some good options, but it will be it'll be interesting to see how we replace those guys. It may take a couple of years. Yeah, and then you know I think lost in all this is a healthy Britton Covey coming back next yeah. year. That he was such a weapon as far as special teams and wide receiver for the Utes or slot receiver. So a lot of question marks. But like I said, uh, I think it's easy to 
kind of look at the defense and just assume things are going to be good, but they've never lost this many guys one no. year, you know, and, and this will be the real test of what kind of depth they have on that. Last thing, guys, let's move, uh, close this thing out. Let's talk about Chris Hill was honored this week with a banner, number 31 up there with the players. And that. Parker, there's probably no one that's been in the Huntsman Center more in their life than you. What do you think of having a 31 hanging for Chris Hill? Well, he deserves it. Um, and you think of all the things that he was a part of during his time. I mean, how far the university has come um, from a, even from just the sports standpoint. It's like, I think, I mean, he started in the WAC. Then we went to the Mountain West, and then obviously it was a, coming to the Pac-12 was the biggest game changer. And you know, Dr. Hill was a very personal, personal person. He was always great with us athletes, great with the student athletes, and so it's a great honor to uh, to have him there, and it's well deserved. I love the story that he talked about when he he gave his speech at halftime of the game, where he talked about how his grandfather was the coach at Rutgers for 32 years, and how he would walk in as he played there, and he'd walk in as a player, and he said, you know, there's my grandpa, and his legacy is now in the Huntsman Center, where his family. Can walk in, you know, so that you know that's my grandpa up there, and he's it's well deserved, and I'm grateful for his all his work that he did because it paved the way for guys like me to go and to play in the Pac-12 and to play in a great university, and it's only going to get better, and a lot of it is because of the groundwork that he that he that he laid. Lee, you've known <coughs> Chris Hill for years. Um, oh, I I knew Chris Hill when he was on Jerry Pym's staff. Did you? <laughs> yes, I go back that fast when I was writing sports, uh, the good old days, and and. Um, He's yeah. He's you have to give him complete credit for hanging in there, and and this isn't mean to be disparaging at all, but he had great timing because everything that's happened to the University of Utah was was during the the time that he was promoted and became the athletic director. But being able to be there when they were accepted into the Pac-12 is that's the big deal. That's the big difference, and that's why his numbers up there in the rafters. Because what you know, you get accepted to the Pac-12, then then your job is well. Let's let's just not screw this up. Right. And he didn't screw it up. He did a. He just kept elevating him and building new facilities. And and uh, I just have a hard time believing how fast the time goes by. It seems like it wasn't that long ago that after he left Jerry Pym's staff, he went to actually work at uh, Camp Costopolis, a cerebral palsy camp in in Emigration Canyon, before he came back to the U. Right, and then, and then people then, forget he was Granger High's coach for four years too. You know, and he yeah. When he uh, when he moved here, he moved here, didn't he? <laughs> Got involved in a lot of different things. So well deserved, and uh, you know the interesting thing is you go to an arena like that where they've honored people, and you know I think when I think about kids, you know, with their grandpas, kind of like what you did Parker or with your folks and that, and you look up at the banners and you say, who is Vern Gardner? Who is Andre Miller? Which is weird for us to say that because it seems like Andre just played last last year. But Keith Van Horn, guys like that, Danny Vrains, I mean, Andrew Bogut. I mean, kind of a neat deal, Parker. Did you, as a fan of this program and that, have you ever looked up at those banners? And do you remember when you were younger asking who these guys were? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I heard all the stories. I was very young during the you know the Final Four national championship runs. Um, so, but I heard, so I heard all the stories of Andre Miller and Keith Van Horn. I I watched Bogut. I was there when his number got retired. Um, and then I I heard stories of. Billy the Hill McGill and Arnie Farron and Arnie Farron. You know, I know Arnie Farron well, and um, the legends of 
you know the 1944 team and um and of course danny vrains and all of them <clears throat> and then the countless majera stories that i feel like just kept being told they keep being told throughout i don't think those will ever stop the you know the majera's <laughs> coaching stories but yeah i mean as as a fan looking up in the rafters and and remembering those names and to have Dr. Hill there, he will, you know, he'll be, he's forever there with those names and, uh, you know, and then be able to look up there as a player and to be able to play in the same, the same university as some of those guys that I always looked up to was special for me. And so the future generations will get to, will get to appreciate that. And so it's an amazing honor to be up there amongst those names. On a weird note, I always thought it'd be cool since they put Majerus' sweater up there is when the Utes are winning to sort of have the sweater drip. You know, some sort of sweat or something. Maybe that's hard logistically to do, but that's just something that I think they ought to think about. They should put his Hawaii. I know when they would go to the Maui Invitational, he'd wear those Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> they should put a big Majerus Hawaii shirt up there. I like that idea, too. It worked out good. Hey, a few other things before we uh, depart. The Utah women, um, boy, the Pac-12 is just tough in women's basketball. There are a lot of ranked teams, but they're showing some signs of life after sweeping the Washington schools. Parker, do you think uh, that, I mean, they've got some talented players, but that's a brutal league. It's a grind when I think you've got, if I'm not mistaken, I I mean, I would, Oregon and Oregon State alone are very, very good. And um, as well as, you know, it's just a grind. Every time I look at their schedule, they're playing some someone that's ranked high, like right. ranked in the top 15. And so I know Stanford's always very good. The one good thing that you can take from this, I guess, from the women's basketball side is the experience that they're getting playing against these top teams. Right. And they're a young team. They're playing against these these top top teams in the nation. And, um, you know, fast forward two or three years, that's something that's going to really help them down the road. And, you know, hopefully hopefully the Utes are in the mix at that time with some of this experience we're getting. Well, and the Red Rocks uh, remained unblemished. They've got Oregon State coming to town this Saturday. So continue success on the gymnastics front. No surprise, Lee. They've been good at that for several, several years. That is a huge staple. (laughs) And you know what's remarkable? You go up to a gymnastics meet. I mean, I've got granddaughters now that are really, they've got season tickets. And it's a phenomenon. It's a Utah, state of Utah phenomenon, let alone the school, the way that place fills it up. And it's kind of like we were just talking about women's basketball. You kind of wonder, how how do you turn that corner and fill it up like that for women's basketball? because that would make a big difference. But uh, the gymnastics, if nobody's ever gone up there and seen that, it's just something to behold. The 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 place is full, and it's rocking. It's really cool. is. Well, folks, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to the Desert News Youth Insiders podcast. Lee, thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Parker, good to have you. The door's always open here for you. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, just a reminder, our uh, usual colleagues, uh, Mike and Jody, uh, had some personal things they wanted to do today. So we had our great guests, and we're glad to have you guys. So appreciate you. And just a reminder, tell your friends that you can get the podcast anywhere. Fine podcasts are uh, presented, even places that aren't so good. I think you can get this podcast. So tune in and listen, and thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>